Welcome to the Holistic Health Podcast, beautiful humans. If a professional, polished, well-edited podcast is what you're after, then move right on. If, however, you love unfiltered banter, unedited bloopers, authentic heart sharing, and a very generous dash of holistic health education, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in, shall we? back to the Holistic Health Podcast. I really feel like I need a different intro. Like I just say the same exact one every time. <laughs> Should we brainstorm something, darling? Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> how, like, howdy? No, holla. I wish I was a cooler person. I'm just not. You know how some people have really cool intros or they yep. can say pet names really well as well. I yes. can't say babe or darling very it doesn't come out right I, I don't mind being called it and <laughs> I'm here for it but when I say it it's like yes. I feel too small to be saying <laughs> like, darling like I feel like I should be you know just <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this <laughs> let's just stick to what's working shall we yeah yeah which is probably sticking to talking about health and nutrition yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't name. need to be cool. We're cool in a nerdy, nice way, okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've always, I've always been in the cool nerd group. You know how there's always that group at school where you are, you're not unpopular, but you're not in the popular, quote unquote, popular group. Mm-hmm. You are a nerd, but you're not so far nerdy that. Yeah. <laughs> You're at the bottom of the pecking order. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, anyway, in case anyone wanted to get some insights into my childhood, that's what it looked like. Yes. Cool, not so much. Nerdy, yes. Yeah. Uh, had friends, was sporty. School's so interesting, isn't it? Uh, you know what? School, it can absolutely be such a rough rite of passage yeah. for I think everyone in, in some ways. It's obviously a lot easier for some than others. And I feel, I feel childhood just, there's a lot of benefits, but man, there's a lot of, it's a lot of challenges. And mm. I think it's a real leveler when everyone leaves school. Yeah, just, I agree. I'll just sad leave it at that. Once you get into the real world. So I'm sure children don't listen to this podcast, but if, if you are young and you're still dealing with uh, dysfunctional social, uh, stuff I promise Mm. you that once you leave school things get a lot better yeah that really does because it's you know it's a system and it's set up in a way to serve a small number of people and then once you're out it really does it's like I remember getting into uni even and just being like oh just feel like there's so much more there's so much more diversity and then I think for a lot of people who haven't like fitted in into the particular school that they happen to go to and the limited people Mm. that you're exposed to, Mm. it just opens your eyes up to, Mm. oh, like there are so many different people. There are so many different interests. There is just more to the world and how how to be in it and how it's okay to be in it than just what I've been exposed to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are rabbiting on a little bit today, but I'm we just going <laughs> to I'm going to share. I went to 13 different schools, so oh, nice. it uh, I had to 
be the new kid mm. over and over again. And on the upside, I was always coming from somewhere overseas. So typically it was a little bit more interesting than the average new kid, but mm. it sucked. And around puberty was probably the hardest. So yeah. yes, I'm very glad I wouldn't go back to school, even though I loved learning and I loved a lot about school. I, I wouldn't go back. Mm. Mm. How interesting. I could totally ask a billion more questions, but that's considering <laughs> the episode title is going to be something relating to supplements, we yeah, should yeah. probably talk about it. <laughs> Let's wrap it so up. <laughs> today we wanted to, we were thinking about some fun things that are educational that we could share with you that also we know a lot of you um, get wrong for lack of a, for a really blunt way of saying it, not through any fault of your own, mm. but unless you are told, you really don't know that supplements, there's a right and a wrong way for a lot of them. Mm. So where we are going to start is actually with multivitamins, you know, the things that you might be doing wrong when it comes to taking a multivitamin. So Amy, do you want to start with the first few that come to mind for you? Yes. Uh, so there's, there's a lot that come to mind. I think I'm just going to start with one that I'm going to, some of these are mistakes that clients have made, of course, because if no one teaches you how to do this properly, you don't know any better. But the purpose of a multivitamin is primarily to deliver high-dose B vitamins for energy production. And one of the mistakes that I see is people taking it at nighttime. Yeah. Um, so dinner, dinner time, maybe even bedtime, although B vitamins on an empty tummy can make you feel quite crook. So actually that's something we haven't got on the notes, taking on an empty tummy. I'll handball that one to you next. Mm. But um, yeah, I know, you know, I've had people say to me, oh, I can never remember to take it in the morning. So I just take it at nighttime. And it's like, first of all, if you're taking a really good one, that's probably going to raz you up right before bedtime and give you an energy boost when you're really looking to wind down for the day. But more importantly, you're going to miss out on all the benefits that you would have otherwise gotten if you'd taken it in the morning, which is namely energy production. This is mm. when we really want it during the day when we're going about our business. And so you know, for anyone who might be struggling to remember, I've got a few tips around that and maybe that's another podcast episode, but I would be putting your multivitamin, if that's the only supplement you take, we only take a couple out on the bench or anywhere where you prepare your breakfast as a little reminder to make sure it's there, even on your bedside table, um, things like that, something, or even in your handbag or backpack as you take off for work or uni or whatever it is you're doing. And that way you've got it with you and you can take it before lunchtime and mm. actually reap the benefits of it rather than taking it later in the day. Yes, I love that. And speaking of breakfast and morning routines and taking supplements, the other thing I'll add to this, which is not exclusive to multivitamins, it applies to you know most minerals and, and things, is really trying to not have your multivitamin or zinc, iron, magnesium, et cetera, with your coffee because it does affect the absorption. So it's not that you're not going to get any, but you are going to miss out on a good portion of what you would otherwise 
you mm. know, be exposed to if you weren't taking it really close to your coffee. So that's something that I think is one that not not many people are aware of mm. and it can make a, a difference. So I usually say it it does actually depend on the vitamin as or mineral as to you know very specifically maybe how long apart but as a general rule I usually say to kind of try and keep it realistic like at least an hour mm. um probably more is going to be better but I I don't know about you but I also depends on the client I'm talking to and and what realistically is going to happen for them because there's what's ideal and optimal and then there's also what's achievable mm. and some Sometimes people are, and that you might be one of these people, if you're listening, you're really diligent and you're really great at taking supplements. If someone just tells you what to do, you'll do it. Mm. And then there are other um, others who it's a real struggle to, to do it. So I think taking a supplement full stop is going yes. to be better than not taking it at all. Yes. But if you want to get the most out of it and also not be wasting your money, then yeah, these tips are really important. So what do you say when it comes to coffee? So this really depends on people's morning routines. And, you know, I do know people who just love a coffee with their breakfast. And so if you're someone who just couldn't face eating breakfast without an accompanying cup of java, then what I say is take your multivitamin at morning tea or even lunchtime if you have to. Uh, otherwise, if you can have breakfast and wait an hour for, or, or a little more for coffee, like have your coffee, you know, once you get to work, for example, then you can take it with with breakfast. Um, if you're someone who has to start the day with coffee, even before you've eaten, we probably need to talk because <laughs> there's, there's something going on there, which you're shoring up artificially, but um, there are a few ways you can sort of massage it. And yes, it does depend on, you know, certain nutrients. It's not every single micronutrient. The thing is though, if you are having coffee with your breakfast and you're having a nutritious breakfast, you're also that beverage is getting in the way of you absorbing or optimally taking in all of the nutrients in the food. So in an ideal world, you would have breakfast and then maybe have your coffee a little bit later. That's actually, you'll get more benefit out of your coffee if you do that anyway, because coffee jacks up cortisol and adrenaline, uh, but your cortisol is already very high when you wake up or it should be if you've got a healthy 24-hour, you know, cortisol response. And you'll get more benefit having the coffee just a little bit later in the morning to lift your cortisol, which suppresses melatonin, um, a little bit later. So I think it's a win-win to have breakfast without any sort of tannin-containing beverages alongside that because tea can do that too to a degree, um, also cacao. Uh, so try and have either water, diluted fruit juice if you want something with flavor, or this is not sponsored, uh, but there is an Australian brand of tea called Madura, which I recommend to my clients because it's virtually tannin-free and it's lower in caffeine. And so you can consume it with meals and it doesn't inhibit or interfere with micronutrient absorption. So you could have a nice cup of tea. They do English breakfast, Earl Grey, all of the typical black tea varieties. Uh, and then you can enjoy your coffee a little bit later. Mm, love that. 
because mm. some people are probably listening being like, yeah, just ruin all the fun in the morning. <laughs> I can't have oh, coffee, cacao. <laughs> we are not the fun police, I promise, but we just want you to live your best life. And, you know, there's a few ways you can do that, but that would be that would be the ideal way. Yes, totally agree. Okay, so sticking still on the multivitamin front, the other one that I would add in there is that it's, hmm, how do I, how do I phrase this? I think that it's really important to know that not all multivitamins are created equal, not all B vitamins are created equal. Mm. And so making sure that the B vitamins that are within your multi are in their most active or absorbable form Mm. for you is really important because otherwise you are going to end up with something that doesn't serve the purpose that we're trying to serve. Mm. So usually I would say as well, there's a lot around methylated B vitamins out there. And a lot of a lot of people will be aware of um of that. Well maybe a subset of you guys listening will be aware of that. Mm. I think some in my experience, some clients do really well on fully methylated B vitamins. Mm. Other people do not. You might just want it, you know, a step down from being fully methylated. And that's where I think working with a practitioner to kind of figure it out if you can't figure it out on your own is really important. Mm. Do you see the same? Do you sometimes see um, some people respond really well to certain types of B vitamins or multis that contain certain types of B vitamins and then not? Mm, Absolutely. In terms of like the folate and methionine cycle, we've got, this is, this is put very generically, but we've got undermethylators and overmethylators. And certainly for some people taking high strength methylated B vitamins can actually really upset their internal balance. And Mm. sometimes it's better to use less active forms. What I've personally like to try is using much lower doses of the methylated forms but like this is where you've got to work with a practitioner to actually find that personalized recommendation that suits your own physiology and in this case genetic polymorphisms that you know can get in the way of metabolizing nutrients from food as well but especially when you're taking therapeutic amounts from supplements as well Mm. so yeah definitely something to be very mindful of, um, which leads me to the next one, to, talking about therapeutic amounts of supplements. Mm. Um, again, this is very individual, of course, because some people's micronutrient needs might be a lot higher than others and there isn't a one-size-fits-all. But what I do find really frustrating is people when I see supplements that are just aiming for the RDA versus the ODI. And what do I mean by that? So most people are probably familiar with the acronym RDA or recommended daily allowance. Um, But what most people don't realize is that's the bare minimum that you need in order to avoid developing disease. Mm. And that's a very different level when you consider what would be considered the ODI or the optimal daily intake where you want to feel your very best. The difference is really between surviving and thriving. So in terms of getting a result from your multivitamin or or indeed any supplements, getting the dosage right is also really key. So whenever someone says to me, oh, I've tried supplements, they didn't work. 
the first thing I think about is, gosh, what was the quality like? What was the strength like? Were you taking the right form? Were you taking the right dose? Were you taking it at the right time of day or month or, you know, whatever the case may be? And sometimes it might be something that just wasn't right for them. And, you know, we did touch a little bit on that in the PCOS podcast um, around DIM and how that can make people's acne worse instead of better, whereas for some women it works really well. So getting that choice right for you is definitely going to go a long way to getting the results that you're looking for. Yeah, I agree. And one that comes up for me when it comes to multivitamins, and this happens a lot when, Uh, particularly when I am helping to support someone around preconception care or through pregnancy with, you know, are we choosing a multivitamin with iron or without iron? Do we want it in there? I actually personally do not like using multivitamins with iron in there, Mm -hmm. even if someone needs iron. And that's not to say that I won't prescribe iron, but there's a couple of reasons why this is important in my opinion. It's because First of all, you should not be taking iron unless you need it. Iron in amounts above your needs can become a pro-oxidant. It can also feed bacteria or I guess an oversimplified way of saying this is it can encourage infections or overgrowth or um, imbalances there if it's not something that you need. It also can contribute to inflammation in the body if you're constantly putting really high amounts in and Mm. not, I think it gets really confusing because a lot of the time iron studies, iron studies on blood tests, when you go to the doctor and you ask for your iron to be checked, which this is definitely a podcast in and of itself. So I'll try not to go down a rabbit hole, Mm. but A, people don't remember to do them fasting because they're not told to do that. Mm. Um, B, there are definitely things you need to avoid in the lead up to that test when you're going to do it. Mm. C, iron studies need to be interpreted as a story, not just what does my iron say. Mm. Uh, So I think there's a lot of nuances to interpreting iron and then knowing whether or not you need to supplement with it. So the other layer to that that I just alluded to earlier is that if you are someone who needs iron, generally speaking, there are some exceptions to this, but generally speaking, I think it's better to have an iron supplement separately because then you can alternate day dose it, which has better absorption as well, which Mm. we might talk about when we talk about iron Mm. in a moment. Mm. That's my two cents of a rant on being mindful that (laughs) sometimes more is not better in a multivitamin. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A couple of other things I'll say about multivitamins is um, a long time ago, I had a client who was taking her multi every second day to make it go further. Mm. And, you know, obviously supplements do can really add up, especially if you're taking a lot of them. Um, The thing is though, with a multivitamin being primarily a B vitamin complex with other cofactors, B vitamins are water soluble, which means they are utilized in the body and then eliminated through metabolic processes on a daily basis. So it is something for optimal health you want to be consuming every day. 
So in her case, and if you sort of fall into the same category, what I said to her was, why don't you break the multivitamin in half and take a half dose every day? It's going to serve you on a cellular level far more than taking a good dose every second day because the body's going to sort of churn and burn through it. And then it's kind of, it's almost like only eating every second day <laughs> to oh, make your groceries. So I know, I know. And and it would just be better to, you know, have more consistent meals, maybe a slightly lesser volume if you're trying to spread something out. So for, for that reason, I would be saying, you know, um, just lower the dose and spread it out over over a period of time, especially if you find maybe they feel too strong, uh, if you find you have any sort of nausea when you take them, which is another mistake I see people make is mm-hmm. taking them on an empty tummy or um, anyone who's maybe taking them on a very, very small amount of food. And if anyone's ever had B vitamin-induced nausea, it is unpleasant. Oh, I have, and I oh. know better, and I still did it to myself. Oh, I know. I think I've done it. I've done it at least once. Maybe I've done it <gasps> twice. I'm not sure, but, like, you just won't do it again once you've experienced it. It's horrific. So mm. make sure you've got a decent amount of food in your tummy. And what I mean by that is let's say you're someone who's a really early riser, or you have a very quick snack before going for a workout, or maybe you have just a very light bite to eat and then have a proper breakfast when you get to work. Maybe you have a long commute or something like that. Don't take it with a light snack like a banana or half an Mm. apple and some nuts. Save it for a proper meal and then have it with that proper meal. And if you are very sensitive, have half your meal take it with a little bit of water and then finish your meal. So it's sandwiched in there with all the food that you've consumed. And that mm-hmm. should get around any, any sort of challenges you might have with digestion. And then I think the last thing that I want to say about multi specifically, and then we'll move on to supplements more in general, is another mistake I see people make are those that have bought into the lie that multivitamins just give you expensive urine. Um, that's almost like saying eating food just gives you expensive poop. I'm sorry, but you need micronutrients and macronutrients to survive. And the byproduct of their metabolism comes out the other end. That's Mm. literally just a law of physiology. And this is really sort of born out of the bright yellow color people get in their urine when they're taking B vitamins and, It's actually specifically related to vitamin B2 or riboflavin. It is naturally a very bright yellow color. And if you're taking a a powder, for example, you'll see that yellowy hue is is from that vitamin. But the vitamin is metabolized into lots of other metabolites within the body. And then it's the metabolites that are excreted through the urine and can give the yellow color. Now, if you're taking excessive amounts of B2, yes, the body will be like, oh, you know, we've got more than we need. So we'll just dump that straight through. Mm -hmm. But the metabolites themselves also have that bright yellow color. And you literally wouldn't know whether you're consuming excess or not, unless you've got a professional looking at your intake versus your overall physiological demand, or you're actually doing a urine test. So if anyone says to you, multivitamins give you expensive urine, 
I would immediately stop taking nutritional advice from them because they are not qualified in applied human clinical nutrition Mm. and are just outing themselves as someone who hasn't actually studied it. So Mm. why I? Yellow, bright yellow urine is fine, everyone, (laughs) in this context. If you aren't taking a multi and you've got bright yellow urine, you might have a different problem. Yes. (laughs) Good. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a really important one because – it is such a common misconception. And to be honest, it comes out of the mouth of people that you wouldn't expect it to as well. I remember being at uni for my nutrition and dietetics degree and I had a lecturer say mm. that. Mm. And um, at the time I didn't know any better. So I was like, oh, mm. vitamins are expensive urine, everyone. But now <laughs> I promise, friends, I know better. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to other supplements generally. And obviously, mm. we won't be able to go through every single potential supplement. What we're trying to do is just pick up on a few common threads, common themes, things we have noticed over our time that you mm. might be, you know, unknowingly doing or have done in the past because, uh, you know, marketing is powerful as well. So I already touched on iron a little bit and. I might just round out that conversation a little bit more. So I think the mistakes you can make with iron or that a lot of people do make with iron are that um, taking too high a dose too frequently. So iron absorption is better when you are taking it every second day or sometimes even every third day for some people because there's, without getting too complicated, there's certain mechanisms in your gut that will shut down the absorption of it um, if you're taking high doses too frequently. So even if you have low iron stores, if you're trying to get them up, you're usually better off taking a a, a kind of every second day approach with that. Mm-hmm. The other thing with iron is that it is really important that you take it away from coffee and tea and any calcium supplements you might be taking as well, or really any, I try to get people to take it away from any other mineral-based supplements generally. Mm -hmm. And I usually recommend that it's taken at night with your biggest meal um, where you'd kind of expect iron to be coming through. So a um, a lot of us do have, you know, some animal protein at night, maybe with some vegetables. So having it at that meal is helpful. It is also helpful because iron is another one of those, um, Supplements that can make you feel really nauseous if you take it on an empty stomach. So that's my iron summary. Do you have anything to add on iron in particular? No, that I mean, that really summarizes perfectly the way that I would approach it too. Um, certainly depending on the formulation you've got, if it doesn't include vitamin C, you can include vitamin C rich foods in that meal because vitamin C has been shown to enhance iron uptake by up to 30%. Um, by the same token, watch the vegetables and whether they're cooked or grains for any anti-nutrients that might bind iron and limit mm. their absorption. Obviously, you're not going to take iron unless you really need it. So a clinician would have picked up that you need it and be making the appropriate recommendations, but expect those things to be personalized to you too. When they look at your diet, they can let you know um, where certain things that you consume on a regular basis may actually be impacting iron absorption. Um, Mm. So yeah, be very mindful of that. Amazing. Mm. All right, let's do another one. What do you want to pick next? What? um... Um, 
I'm going to go generic for a second and speak to how people take powdered supplements. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people do this, but if you're anything like me, I hate lumps and I hate chunks and I like a nice smooth <laughs> lumps and chunks are the pits. I'm not here for the lumps and chunks. <laughs> Absolutely not. Did not unsubscribe. <laughs> so if you're taking powders like vitamin C powder or magnesium powder or anything in powdered form, don't make the mistake of chucking the powder in the glass first, which is what most people do. It feels kind of like a logical thing to do. And then, mm-hmm. and then chucking the water in on top, that is like the fast track to getting lumps and chunks, which, you know, I just don't think anyone finds those things pleasant. Now, the ideal way would be to put the water in first, then the powders and mix it up. Also, if you have got a powder that is prone to lumping and chunking, I never thought I'd be saying these words on a podcast. It's really hard to keep a straight face. <laughs> Here we are. Um, use warmer water. Warmer water tends to um, allow powders to be more miscible and, and dissolve a bit easier. Um, be careful with hot water, though, because um, certain nutrients like vitamin C can be impacted by that. If you get really stuck, obviously you can use... Um, um, some sort of blender. And I've, I've recently bought in the last like six months, a little handheld, I guess, I don't know what the proper name is for it. I'm just going to call it a milk, milk frother. frother. Yeah. yeah. Milk frother. It's like a, mine's called the Aero Latte and it's like a little tiny whiz stick with a coil on the end and you just can pop it in. I bought it for my cacao to sort of fluff it up with the with the you know coconut creamer that I had. Mm. But what ha- my husband's been using it for is he likes to add a bit of protein powder to his oat milk to throw in his cereal just to balance out the macronutrients. And he'll use mm. that instead of putting it in a blender and making like a smoothie um, and then having like an additional kitchen item to clean, he'll just whiz it up in the bowl and then throw the muesli in on top. So yeah, they are just some little tips and tricks to help get your powder nice and smooth. I love that. And I actually just thought of an extra one off the back of that when you were saying about powders is that, and it's a little bit of a a contrast to what you said with the warm water, that warm water actually, yeah, totally agree in terms of dissolving it. Mm. I also find though, if you hate the taste of what you are taking, Some of my clients listening will be like, yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Then I find the colder the water is, the less uh, in in your face the flavour tends to be. Uh, So I would say if you're struggling, if the main thing you're struggling with is the taste of it, Mm -mm. then two things for you, cold water and view it as medicine instead of as as like a drink that you're trying to enjoy. I think that slight mindset shift is important Mm. um, to keep in mind because I think we have understandably a lot of the time things we consume, we expect it to be delicious. Otherwise, why would we be making a choice to have it? Supplements are not that. Liquid Mm. herbs, for example, taste disgusting Mm. and that's okay we're Mm. not getting you to consume them for for some fun times it's it's literally medicine yeah that's really good advice the colder something is the less flavorful it is and certainly for liquid fish oil even though the fish oil i recommend is tasteless 
putting it in the fridge is just like another level of guarantee. Mm. Um, you could also blend it up with some ice, things like that. So, yeah. And if, if you want it ice cold water, you can use the little Aero Latte thing and, and mix it up that way. Best of both worlds. Aero Latte, what a good name. It even just feels like your fanciness is elevated now that I know you own an Aero Latte. <laughs> Can I tell you, it's so cool. It came in this little travel case and it has like this little rod to stop it from getting bent. So like, not that we can travel anywhere at the moment, but like when that day comes, you better believe my Aero Latte. One day in 2050 <laughs> when I am traveling. 2075 when I'm a geriatric, <laughs> I will have that Blinken Aero Latte and my frothy coffee. <laughs> so funny. Well, I love that for you. And I can't wait to sit next to you on the plane and, and um, benefit <laughs> from the milk frother. <laughs> So next one I would love to speak to, I'm I'm really passionate about this one because I've seen it go wrong for a lot of people and, I, and I, I really feel for people because we purchase supplements a lot of the time when we're just trying to help ourselves out. We know we've got an issue. There's, you know, some sometimes well-intentioned, sometimes not marketing around, mm. you know, this will really help. It's good for gut issues, for example. So mm-hmm. this is where the path I'm going to go down. Gut issues come in many different flavors and not always is fiber or fermented type supplements the answer to someone's digestive issue. And not only can it not be the answer, it can actually make things worse. So if you're someone who has gut issues currently, then and you're experiencing particularly things like bloating, gas, abdominal pain or discomfort, then my advice to you would be do not buy a lot of the powders that are marketed as gut healing um, or prebiotic because until you address the underlying gut problem that you have, which may be an overgrowth or an imbalance in bacteria, you may actually find that that makes things worse instead of better. It's not to say that those gut healing powders or prebiotic-based powders are not beneficial. It's just that you need to be using them for the right purpose at the right time. And I think you're better off saving that money that you would have spent on, you know, a a gut healing powder to save it up to work with someone one-to-one who can identify, okay, what's going on for you? Um, What specific supplement is going to actually help correct the underlying issue that's driving some of these gut symptoms? Um, Therefore, you're not wasting your money on something that's literally could be making you worse instead of better. Yeah. I think that's a really good point in terms of, you know, buying random things it can be it can cause you more trouble i mean the gut example you gave is so perfect because you know we know like we're told like at the moment fermented foods are just having their moment in the sunshine aren't they mm. and everyone's guzzling kombucha sauerkraut kimchi you know all kinds of other fermented foods but if you have gastrointestinal challenges at a certain point it starts to become very difficult to metabolize histamine. And then when you're putting in high histamine foods, although they're considered to be good for the health of the gut, you can actually make your gut health even worse and more inflamed. So Mm -hmm. yeah, as always, it's best to work with a professional. And speaking of which, 
if you are working with someone, um, don't go rogue. Don't, don't go and randomly buy other supplements and start chucking them down the hatch um, mm-hmm. along with everything that your clinician has prescribed without telling them. I mean, you're free to live your life. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very common for I do it. I do it. So when I got sick with mold, <laughs> I started seeing um, a dear colleague of mine who is a specialist in this area. And she wrote me a great protocol, but like like most people, but especially someone who's never met a supplement they didn't love, I'd be like, oh, I might just try this as well, or I'll just try that as well. That's all good, but please let them know um, what you're about to do before you do it, because there may be some sort of clash or an overload. Um, I had a client who was taking three different B vitamin supplements because mm. she didn't realize like yeah, the the two other things that she decided to start taking were basically doing the same thing as is the thing that I'd recommended. Um, mm. The other thing is it can save you a lot of money. So I had another client, I've had this actually happen quite a lot where people have bought things that were marketed well yeah. <laughs> or maybe were shared on socials by someone they look up to and respect and maybe it was the right thing for them but they go and spend all this money on something and then the next appointment it's like, oh, I bought such and such, you know, can I take it with this? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That's the wrong thing for you because of this. Or, um, you know, you need to get have these questions answered before we know it's going to be okay for you to take and then it turns out it's not okay. So, you know, if you are working with a clinician, check with them first. If there's something that's caught your eye or you'd like to introduce, at the very least, just ensure it's not going to do any harm um, Mm. or interfere with what you're already taking, in which case go for it. But in many cases, what you might find is you might already be on something that does what you are looking for and you just didn't know. Um, Mm. Or maybe your practitioner can say, oh, that is quite a nice idea if you're up for that here's a better here's a better one for you mm. that might be um, an even better fit for for what you need specifically. So stay in communication with your clinician. Yeah, I agree with that because you know it's every every practitioner has a bit of a method or a strategy that they're using to help you. And if you're trying to get to the same destination by a, a million different like ways or or trying to take all these different roads you just don't end up getting there you just end up lost Mm. and that's where I think that collaborative working in terms of having a care team around you is great Mm. but I'm a big fan of only having one person in each kind of category doing something at a time Mm. and and definitely that communication piece is really beneficial because I have to say that I I don't yeah, I'm like you. I'm happy for if something's not going to cause harm and you're you feel like it makes a difference, then you do you, no problem. Mm. But there are many things where it can be counterintuitive to what we're trying to achieve, or you might just have jumped a few steps ahead and actually we will bring that certain supplement in at this point in time, but we aren't there yet in the strategy that's laid out in front of us. So I think that's just important to remember. Yeah. The other thing, other one I see a lot that is a big mistake that many people have made that have come to me for hormonal imbalances, particularly 
um, people who are trying to get on symptoms of P- like get on top of PMS type symptoms, or they just feel like, oh, my hormones are off. And I saw this supplement that said it was really good for PMS and it has all these beautiful herbs in it. And so I bought that. And a lot of the time they might not feel better or some other funky things might be going out. Mm. And the reason why I don't think it's a good idea to buy generalized hormone-based supplements, particularly that are herbal-based, though it does come into play with nutrient-based ones as well, Mm. is because herbs are powerful and herbs can absolutely affect how much estrogen and progesterone you make. Um, It can also affect how it's broken down. It can Mm. affect all these different things. And not every hormone problem or PMS symptom is because you have high estrogen, which Uh a lot of the time those hormone-based powders or herbal mixtures are for. Or another big one is Vitex, which is a particular Uh herb sold a lot in hormone mixes that is sold very much for like PMS-related issues. Mm. But if you're someone that feels really like ragey and irritable before your period Mm. and you take Vitex, a lot of the time you're going to feel worse. Mm. Um, And then on the flip side, it can be something that makes a huge positive difference. Mm. But it's really important when it comes to hormones that you understand what your imbalance is Mm. where it's happening in your cycle because you could have a you know normal estrogen amount that you're making at the beginning of your cycle but then the problem is coming up with clearing it and that would change what herb or at what time we might get you to take a certain um, estrogen clearing type supplement so I think that's really important that you don't go messing with herbs and hormones when you're not really sure what the imbalance is. Oh, that's such a good point. And I'm glad you mentioned Vitex because as you said, it's very popular ingredient in a lot of hormone balancing Mm. uh, formulas, but like you need to know what you're trying to balance there. And for example, you know, it can be really powerful in PCOS or in fertility formulas to support luteinizing hormone and therefore ovulation. But if you're If you've got PCOS with high luteinizing hormone or LH, it'll actually make it worse and you won't get the result that you're looking for. So especially when it comes to hormones, because it is such a delicate dance, I mean, ideally you would work with someone one-on-one, but I do happen to know that the Hormone Rescue Program is currently available, or it certainly still should be by the time this comes out. Um, Nat, do you want to just quickly tell us about that? Yes, I will. I love love the segue. Uh, <laughs> and I get it's a really good place to have that discussion because part of the reason why I created the Hormone Rescue course is because there is so much misinformation out there. And I don't think that every single person um needs one-to-one support to get a result. I definitely think that one-to-one support can help you get there faster and in many cases is needed. But mm. there's so much that you can learn about understanding your own hormones and the symptom and the hints that your body is giving you every month that can indicate where the problem is and therefore how to support it. So hormone mm. rescue was really, I guess, birthed out of the desire and really the 
I don't know, it's just like my mission for women to understand their bodies really well and then be able to use that knowledge in order to make more informed choices. So basically, I'm teaching you how to understand what your body's telling you hormonally. We're addressing a lot of the really common signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalances, like feeling like a nutter before your period or feeling really irritated or biting someone's head off or feeling really low and unmotivated if you are someone who has heavy periods or painful periods or irregular cycles or you seem to get a lot of breakouts around like at a certain point in your period as well, or if you are that person that feels like you increase, you know, your cup size by like two or three times before your period and you're getting all this fluid retention or really struggling with weight loss. Um, there are so many different hints that your body tells you all of the time, each month usually, that there might be something off. And Amy, we were talking about this before we started the podcast a lot of the time it's normalized, like PMS, period problems, it being like a shit time, we all hate our periods, mm. is very normalized and it's very common and therefore it's very accepted. But if you really think about it, mm. your hormones and even that lead up into your period and your experience of your period, we're looking at like a quarter to a half of your month that therefore is being affected. And to me, that's just not good enough because your hormones dictate how comfortable you feel in your body, how mm -hmm. social you you might be because of that, you know, what kind of jobs you go, go for, how confident you feel in life, how balanced you feel in your mood and therefore how you show up in your relationships and not just your intimate relationships, but the relationship you might have with your friends, your colleagues, your kids. Mm -hmm. um, and how you how you feel in your mood just across the whole month as well. And I think that these aren't little things because all of these little moments, these parts of our life that are affected are big. Like they are literally us. They are our life. They are our experience. And so I don't think it's good enough that we just put up with it, even mm -hmm. though we can. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of us mm -hmm. can put up with a whole lot of shit that we maybe shouldn't mm. but I actually think if you take time to pay attention to the signs that maybe there is a hormonal imbalance there and address mm. it you can move through your whole cycle feeling comfortable in your body feeling confident in your skin feeling balanced feeling energetic and not just these huge fluctuations and that's just going to have such a huge flow and effect into every area of your life. I know we've both experienced hormonal imbalances ourselves. And I have to say when I, I just didn't feel like myself, you know, like I just did not feel like me and I could see myself and hear myself doing things or not doing things and still like witnessing that and being like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that, but I can't help it. Or I would not go out at certain times or I wouldn't go for certain opportunities because I just didn't feel confident. I just didn't feel happy in myself. Mm. Life is way too short to feel like shit. That is for damn sure. Mm. And if you think about, you know, a woman's menstrual cycle, like how long you're doing that for, let's say 35 years, give or take, 
even if you only experience discomfort a few days before your period PMS wise, and then a few days of period pain, it's like close to 10 years of your life that you Mm. feel like crap and a less than. And I definitely know, you know, having had PCOS when I was younger, the way that impacted my skin and my cycle, it really impacted how I lived my life. And it just, it just isn't right. And it isn't normal. And even though it has been sadly normalized, it is not a reflection of a healthy uh, menstrual cycle, healthy hormones. And, you know, healthy hormones is a lot that goes into it, including environment. And I guess Mm. that is also a good segue to the last mistake we're going to touch on today. And that is you can't out supplement a bad environment. So there's a few lenses you can look at this through. And one that popped into my mind just then was, for example, if you're living in a toxic dysfunctional relationship, there is no amount of stress support and sleep support or hormonal support or skin support that you can swallow that is going to overcome your choice to remain in a toxic environment. Mm. Um, but there are other ways you can look at that too. Um, probably a personal example for me is when I was living in a water damaged building and being impacted by mold. Now I was on a really comprehensive regime. I want to say I was taking 20 different supplements and yes, they were keeping my head above water just, Mm. but they were never going to be able to heal me whilst I remained in a toxic environment. And what was really intriguing for me to experience is once we found a healthy home to live in, mm-hmm. I was my health was recovered by 85% in six weeks on the same supplements, on the same supplements. So the supplements... Mm-hmm work. They did work. They were the right things. And they were allowing me to survive in an unhealthy environment just, but they, when I was in a healthy environment, I was able to thrive and my body, my body wasn't being chronically poisoned by my surroundings. And therefore my cells could actually heal under the influence of the, you know, functional medicines I was actually taking. So, Mm. you know, be very mindful that if your health, chronic health issues are because of chronic habitual choices, chronic environmental exposures, chronic bad habits, a supplement might help give you a little bit of a leg up to maybe get yourself out of that environment, for example, but it will never be able to overcome, you know, external influences that are unhealthy. Um, mm. You know, I think another good example of that is with EMF exposure, like you can't, take a supplement that's going to undo, you know, the carcinogenic effects of non-ionizing radiation from your cell phone or wearing wireless headphones. So, yeah, I think being very mindful of those other influences on your health and knowing that a pill isn't going to just magically make them go poof and Mm. disappear. Um, So on that note, I'm going to make a little mention of a course that is coming out very soon called Mold Proof Your Home. And what I love about it the most is that everyone's familiar now with how important the microbiome of your gut is for health. Gut health is just like the nouveau thing. Everyone's got it on their mind, probably doing something to some degree to support it. But 
most people aren't aware of the microbiome of their home. And, Mm. you know, if our clothes are our second skin, our home is our third skin. And we need to be very, very conscious of how we're supporting a good balance of bacteria and fungi and the other things that actually inhabit our environment that we can't see. And, you know, by the same token, we really need to be made aware of avoiding making mistakes that are going to alter the microbiome of our home to an unhealthy environment that could make us really sick. So in Mold Proof Your Home, it's about how to support the microbiome of your home so that you can remain optimally healthy. It's also good for the health of the actual home as well as the people in it. I talk about how to deal with mold if you've already got a problem or you've had a water leak, but also how to prevent mold from growing. There's lots of mistakes that people make um, in their home inadvertently and unknowingly that can actually set up an environment to be moldy. Um, I also teach people how to identify whether or not their home has got a mold problem, even if they can't see one. And in fact, I'm going to be running a webinar next month on exactly that. And it's complimentary to attend. So if you're interested in learning the seven subtle signs that your home has a mold problem that has nothing to do with actually seeing visible mold, please put yourself on the invitation list. I'd love to take you through those and teach you what to look for. Um, But if you know you've got a mold problem or you really want to know how to protect your home, especially if you've just renovated or built or moved into somewhere new, um, Mold Proof Your Home will teach you how to keep that environment pristine and therefore ensure that it's the healthiest home you can possibly live in and heal in Mm -hmm. and stay healthy in. Yeah, and that's so important, isn't it? It's like... You know, the more you arm yourself with knowledge and information and resources across the borders as far as health goes, particularly in these really foundational areas of, you know, your home environment, your hormones, your gut, it just, it means that you don't, you're not as likely to actually run into a problem in the future. And I really honestly think that so many people, myself included in the past as well, only take action when you're really in a problem already. Whereas if you can start to take action before that, you won't get into a place where you've just been like universally KO'd and now you're trying to crawl your way back to even Mm. just beyond the point of survival. Um, and I just think it makes such a such a big difference. And I really see a lot of this kind of stuff as an investment. Like as an example, I'm not currently living in a moldy home, but I sure as hell am going to show up to that webinar and to keep learning from you. And I think it's just really, it's really important to take that proactive approach and knowing that what you learn, you you won't unlearn. Mm. And so it's it's resources for life, really. It is. And you will need far less supplements as well, mm. um, even in the short term, but especially in the long term. You won't have as any you know, messes to clean up if you get your environment right. So, yes, I look forward to taking you through that now, along with everyone else that joins us. Yay, love <laughs> it. All right. Well, we might wrap it up there, everyone. As always, a pleasure to be with you on your walk or your drive or while you are packing your supplements up for the next day, whatever you're doing right now. Thank you for being with us and we will see you all next week.